Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Utah Film Pod. My name is Josh Terry. I will be your host, and I've got good news and bad news. The good news is we've got two co-hosts, two guests, two more people besides me. The bad news is it's another dude. So still no, we still have not found more female perspective on the Utah Film Pod, but we'll work on it. In the meantime, in the meantime, though, this is going to be a very, very fun episode because Mark LaRocco is back as a co-host and our mutual longtime friend, Mike Chidsey, is joining us. Mike? Hey there. Chidsey. Welcome, sir. Thank you. How are you? I'm so grand. That's, that's, <laughs> yes, very, very grand. Okay, so a little bit of background. Um, Mr. Chidsey, well, so I've known him for several years, and basically since he started showing up in my basement during parties about, what, 13, 14 years ago, something like that. That sounds like something you... I'd do. Yes. So so we all went to Utah State together, but back in those days, I knew Mark and Mark knew Chidsey, but I did not know Chidsey. It was not until oh. a few years later that we started kind of hanging out, and then one thing led to another, and suddenly Chidsey got me on America's Got Talent. I'm not exactly sure how all those things connected up, but they happened. Oh. And, and, and I'm still working through that. I'm still, there's, you know, there are some... Maybe that's a story for another episode. I don't know. So but, I'm, uh, I'm the link. I'm the connector. You're, you're the link. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. You, you brought you brought it together. And then in a more film appropriate sense, Chitsy is also the producer of my YouTube channel, Movie Reviews by Josh. He is the, the magic behind those videos. And so, I mean, all kinds of. Well, because you you had you had the one video that uh, one viral video that you produced that went made it all the way onto Jimmy Kimmel, and you were actually on Jimmy Kimmel, right? That's correct. That was, yeah, that was a great moment. Yeah, so so we got kind of a local, you know, kind of a wizard celebrity, just That's an right. all around great guy joining joining uh, Mark and I. I, I so, don't know if wizard is the right term. I think I've just made a series of poor life decisions that that have spiraled <laughs> into a bunch of random things. You know. Well, if we were to go through the list of decisions that landed all three of us on this podcast, I'm sure it would be a checkered and fascinating story <laughs> all around, and, all around. And Mike Chitsey is also the director of the uh, cult classic film to Utah State, Cream. <laughs> what is this? Have you ever seen this, Josh? No, no. What is this? I don't oh, think boy. it exists anymore. It was a, uh, it was a terrible, <laughs> terrible... Uh, student film that uh, that uh, that we made that uh, I, I I believe all copies have been destroyed but it, uh, it, Bummer. it it's... if you if if you ever find a copy I would like to have it because I really am trying to teach my kids about the origin of Aggie ice cream uh, also oh, it it's from. about that that's what it's about well Kind of. Uh, we we never maybe not. say it's Aggie ice cream. We, you're we right. Just you're say right. That, but yes, it's loosely based <laughs> off of the secret ingredients that may go into that. I was watching a lot of B horror films at the time. Yeah. Huh. I wonder what that okay. movie would be rated now. I mean, it wasn't rated in the first place because you forgot to send it to the MPA. But um, anyway, that was a that was a unique film. <laughs> It was. This I, is, I, I sent it to uh, I sent it to some uh, film contest that was run by uh, a journalism uh, a student journalism group nationally, and they they uh, they wrote back and said this is the worst thing I have ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. 
<laughs> so now, now I'm wondering because I just so this is the first I've heard of this at all. It doesn't mm. surprise me at all, but this is the first I've heard of it. Now, what I'm wondering though is this has brought back another memory because my second year of at Utah State, when I was writing for the Statesman, working with Mark, I remember one of my students, like one of my English 2010 students, asked me to be a judge for a film festival for a bunch of undergrads. Mm. And I wonder if you could have been a part of that. Do you remember? Do you remember participating in any random film festivals? No, in, this was uh, when, uh, this was this wasn't a local thing. Our our uh, our uh, the head of our department uh, that uh, in broadcast that Mark and I were part of uh, sent it out to some national thing. So all okay. all I got back was a letter saying how terrible it was <laughs> and that it should have never been made. It should have never. That's funny because the same thing happened to David Ackerman and I when we made a movie about. Um, a, a fake cooking show. I mean, it was like a news story, but it was like a five-minute piece on cooking, uh, you know, stir-fry. I remember that and... piece. It was amazing. <laughs> Do you remember? Yes. Yeah, Penny Penny said we got the lowest score, um, I guess, you could get. Because <laughs> we entered it into a contest to try to win some award. I can't remember if it was a Peabody or an Emmy, but um, it was neither. But anyway... Yeah, we uh, we didn't do very well, and we thought it was funny, but I guess that was about it. <laughs> so if there's any question about the professional caliber of the talent <laughs> of this podcast, it is all settled right now. No, uh, no more doubts. No more doubts, guys. It's good. It's good to bring everybody together. We've been we've been wanting to get this get this crew together for a little while, um, but uh, I don't know. Some people's professional schedules and all that, like kids, would it what do, you, what do you do now? I mean, you're, you always have like three or four things going on and you know, it's sometimes they involve you like being directing workout streams <laughs> from at four in the morning from some remote location underground or in the Nevada desert. Was it what? Well, I can't remember exactly it, what was going it on. It was in a semi truck trailer in a warehouse in Orem, Utah. Okay. Pretty close mm. to the Nevada desert underground. That's I mean, true. you know, it's sixes, right? So, but you're not doing that anymore. I'm not. That was, now was that for Peloton? Uh, no, that was for IFIT, the competitor to Peloton. Ah, I see. Because I, I remember it was a similar thing, right? Where you kind of like, you buy the machine and then you watch the little video and and somebody talks to you. Yes. It like was they are a, watching you work out. It was a live stream interactive class. Uh, and the the thing that made these bikes uh, superior to the Peloton bikes at the time were uh, it, it acted like Star Tours. So if the instructor said everybody <laughs> were going up a hill, no matter where you are in the world, your bike would tilt up and it would be harder to uh, to pedal. Very nice. But then Very it also nice. had social interaction, so you could uh, hit a QR code and ask the instructor a question, and the, okay. and they would answer. But I just, I just directed with one eye open. You just directed. I, I, I learned, I learned <laughs> during that time because I would have to wake up at two. Call time was at three, and I'd direct every hour on the hour from three a.m. to eleven thirty. Um, Whoa. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, yeah. I learned that I could direct with one eye open while while standing on one foot to to stay awake. 
Oh, that's that is a skill I wish I could have acquired. Because no. I had I had a similar schedule when I was producing the morning show at KJAZ. Uh, instead, I just fell asleep on the air, and so that was, which is probably why I don't have that job anymore. Uh, I believe I came to you asking for advice when I was considering this position. Did, yeah. Oh, sure. No, I remember it. I can't remember what advice I gave you. Uh, neither do I, but I took the job, so it must not have been very good advice. <laughs> I, I I fully think that was that must have been the case. That must have been the case. So. Uh, so, like I said, we, we've been wanting to bring you on for quite a while, and I think that this episode is going to be a perfect opportunity to bring our three minds together in some kind of a strange Vulcan mind meld type of thing, type of podcast. Um, not because it has anything to do with Vulcans or Star Trek, but actually because it has to do with Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, mm. Mark, last episode, you left us on a note of hope that, uh, that the new Weird Al movie, which is kind of a biopic... But maybe not really a biopic at all. Um, was was on its way. It's some kind of Roku exclusive, and I wasn't even sure if I was going to be able to watch it, but I did. Mm. And so did Chids, and so all three of us are ready to report on Weird Al and uh, and his his quote unquote biopic. So so like I say, this thing presents itself as like it's it's called weird the weird al yankovic story right i mean Mm -hmm. that's the title of it but the reality of it is that i have no idea how much if any of this stuff is actually based on mr yankovic's life and it's perfect that way right because it's weird al yankovic if you're not familiar with this guy this is he's kind of he's kind of one of the the kings of the novelty uh you know music where, where basically like he's he's doing song parodies they'll take a really popular song change the lyrics around and uh you know the, the first one i ever heard was eat it which was his version of beat it mm-hmm. the michael jackson song no. funny enough i heard it, eat it first yeah and remember beat so it, i didn't even know it was a parody beat it was a parody of eat it according to the movie i know i'm just kidding yeah no that's <laughs> but that's that's what's so funny right and so so basically like he he's he plays the accordion he does all these these song parodies and this movie is just kind of this, it presents itself as his life story. And like, I can't even really say that he's taking liberties with it because I think after a certain point, he just kind of launches into this. Oh, it, well, this is what I would like my life story to have been, right? <laughs> but around the time that he's like dating Madonna and getting into, you know, international conflicts with, uh, um, Colombian death squad, yeah. Colombian death squads in the (laughs) mid '80s. So, so you can't really say that. There's not a whole lot in terms of spoilers for this movie because it's like, it's just gonna go go nuts. And uh, the it start it starts off with him kind of in his childhood and how he how he starts playing the accordion and how that kind of leads to fame and fortune because obviously playing the accordion does. This is great tongue in cheek thing, and I don't know. The more I talk about it, the more I think setting it up is completely pointless. So <laughs> yeah. how about I throw it over? Mark, what, what yeah. did you think of this one? I mean, for, for a biopic, I think you're right. You don't really need to like describe the plot because it's just, it's a life story of somebody. And for people who are familiar with Weird Al, they generally know the beats, you know, like he, he um, got, you know, kind of start his start on Dr. Demento, the Dr. Demento show, which I loved as a kid. I was there every Sunday night listening at nine o'clock on Westwood One radio and, that was seriously my 
when they in the movie they showed that too like he would listen to it and his mom didn't want him to i mean my parents didn't care but i think um <laughs> they probably didn't know but they do now anyway so he i the thing that i love about this movie is it's the perfect biopic for weird for weird al you know it's a it's a parody mm -hmm. of a biopic especially musical biopics yeah. um and it's so I've heard mockumentary, that word described. I don't think that's correct because it's not a documentary and it's not no. making fun of fun of it. It's it's a it's his life story. Um, I mean, he has a voiceover, which, of course, sounds nothing like like him. Um, and <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a totally different actor. Uh, right. Right. And it's it's a, it's just so good. And the cameos in it are great. Um, I, I was surprised to learn because pretty early on you learn that like, okay, okay this is just going to be hyperbole. He's just going to exaggerate everything and it gets even more and more ridiculous. It doesn't slow down or it doesn't like calm down. It gets more and more absurd as it goes on. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and, and I was surprised to learn that many of the events depicted in the movie are more true than I thought. And I don't, I don't want to spoil them, but like, for example, how he came about discovering the accordion. I thought, oh, that's just kind of a funny little side story. You know, it's a funny way to, to introduce an accordion to a kid at home. But that turned out to be mostly true. Um, I mean, not what happens to the person. But, you know. I was going to say, like, um, like, that was one of the. <laughs> that was hilarious. Um, the, the fate of a salesman. That made me laugh till tears came down my eyes. It honestly did. That was great. That was so great. But even like Madonna, you know. Having the idea for like a surgeon, I mean that that apparently was true. I didn't know that. I thought that's ridiculous, but that part was true. But anyway, there's a lot of other things in the movie that are just nowhere near the truth, and and we know that as we're watching it. And to me, it almost I, I mean I don't want to use the word groundbreaking, but I don't know of any other movie really like this that takes the musical biopic and just does a complete parody of it involving a real person. Now there's movies like this involving fake people like Walk Hard. You know, mm, right. um, but I think it's almost like it's revolutionizing a genre. And I would not be surprised if you see something else like this. You see another movie like this that's like a life story, but obviously just full of, you know, deliberately inaccurate things that just make yeah. it more fun. I mean, that was right. that was just fun. And I like the like I said, the cameos in the movie. I mean, there's a party at Dr. Demento's house with Gallagher, Salvador Dali, Pee Wee Herman, Wolfman Jack. Like, it's like as if all of these people, some of whom are dead, would be at a party, you know, where Weird Al yeah. is going to come up with another one, you know, another song. And um, it, for me, and also, I, and, and I don't know if this is how it's going to play for everybody, but I did grow up a Weird Al fan. I listened to the music. I got all the tapes. Yes, tapes before CDs. <laughs> I had several of those, like even worse. And I think I had Weird Al in 3D. Um and then, you know, you get to like off the deep end, which has the, the spoof of, it's the Nirvana Nevermind cover, basically, yeah. and uh, Poodle Hat, Bad Hair Day. And, and, and he's just done a lot of albums with lots of great covers. And, and one thing that they don't really go over in the movie, but he's also very good at his coming up with originals and even what they call pastiches, which is like uh, in the style of, of an artist that you would recognize and okay. think, oh, that sounds like that artist, but it actually is not a parody of one of their songs. One of the ones he's really famous for is Dare to be Stupid, which is, sounds like a Devo song. And even the Devo guys are like, this is amazing. I saw an interview where they're like, this is, we are so jealous. Like, he just did it perfectly. So, I mean, he really is very talented, an accomplished accordion player, songwriter. He's lasted much longer 
famously than many of the artists he's spoofed. Yeah, um, right. But I, I think the movie's hilarious, and I, I, I think I was telling Mike the other day, like, it's, it might be, like, my favorite movie of the year. I almost am like, <laughs> am I embarrassed to say that? I'm like, no, I don't care. I think it's, uh, you know, it's not a serious movie. It's not, it's not Oscar bait by any stretch, but um, I think I enjoyed it more than anything I've seen all year. But you think, you think it's the spinal tap of biopics? Well, yeah, that's probably a good way of putting it, you know, I, I guess so. Yeah, that, that movie, I mean, that movie kind of invented the, 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 uh, the rockumentary or mockumentary, the mockumentary yeah, yeah. genre, I think. Rock and doc. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, the mock rock doc. I don't know, getting too long <laughs> with some of these names, but I, I think it's great. I mean, it, it just, yeah, it, I, and there's things I'd love to spoil. I'd love to talk about, but I want people to see it and experience you know, right. Well, I mean, because that's that's a lot of what's so fun is just kind of the non sequitur out of nowhere. I mean, the things the things I enjoyed the most were the ones that I did not see coming. Mm -hmm. Right. OK, yeah. Chids, Chids, we got one strong endorsement. Where do you fall on this one? I I agree and endorse everything that Dr. Mark LaRocco Esquire just said. <laughs> I, I think he's a wise man, and and I, I would agree with absolutely everything he said. Uh, when you concur. I, yes. When I first saw the trailer for this, I I was so stoked. I mean, and there's there's just few trailers in my life that stand stand out. Um, I, I think the last trailer I got excited for was when uh, when when uh, Han Solo said Chewie were home and in uh, <laughs> that that brought tears to my eyes for, for oh. that Star Wars film. But but yeah. uh, this movie surpassed any of the new Star Wars films in my mind. <laughs> um, it, it brought which, a genre... which is an increasingly low bar the more time goes <laughs> yeah. by. Yeah, this movie was this movie was better than. Um... Rise of Skywalker, and then people would be like, "So, who cares?" Yeah, <laughs> like really, that's kind of kind of faint praise, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, Jade's oh, a good no, job. It, it's in a genre of, of comedy that I don't think we've seen for a long time. Like, uh, kind of like a, a Tommy Boy type type comedy, mm -hmm. where there's just there's there's slapstick that it, it's just silly, it's just stupid. Uh, mm -hmm. and I, I was trying to think. I, I can't think of any movie that's come out in the past five years that that's that's all that kind of genre yeah no it's a it definitely has kind of a i don't know like i remember last week we were trying to decide because we were trying to figure out what it was rated and because it said it was like not rated and it's, it's like it's a perfect like weird al pg-13 level like mm -hmm. it's just kind of it it, it seems Want this to sound the wrong way but like it's like perfect for like 12 13 year olds i think they would just absolutely love it and it's fun for us too because it's just kind of this innocent you know yeah. if you're a weird al fan you know he's well because what, what he his song was dare to be stupid right, right. i mean that this kind of encapsulates that oh, yeah. he's just having kind of off the wall fun and and you know what, what we haven't mentioned yet i think we mentioned this when we were proving it last time but um, Daniel Radcliffe is, uh, who plays, Weird who plays Al. Weird Al, yeah. which now I don't know how tall the real Weird Al is, but I think he's probably like, he's quite, a I bit just taller. find it amusing that cause Daniel Radcliffe is not a, not a big guy. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of funny because he's, he's spot on. Like, yeah. you know, you put that wig and those glasses and that mustache on and and the Hawaiian it's just shirt. magic, right? In mm -hmm. the the Hawaiian, which oh my gosh! See, I don't know if I should spoil this or not. This is not a major thing, but like, I love 
how the Hawaiian shirts change appropriately based on where the action is happening. I will just say that. I don't know oh, if that calls anything to mind. I didn't know that, that was one of my favorite little details that mm. that I noticed at one particular passage in the movie. But uh, yeah, so that was that was that was definitely a good one. Yeah, I, I think that um, the Madonna. I mean, I guess we should call some people out. Madonna was Evan Rachel Wood, which I didn't yeah. know until after I saw. I had no clue who that was. Um, Rain Wilson uh, is Dr. Demento, right? And um, and uh, anyway, and then there's lots. Did of... you did you catch who is Andy Warhol? Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. that was a good one. Um, well, because I... when you because when you mentioned that there are cameos, it's like okay, so you're talking about. Well, I didn't. I didn't want to spoil all the cameo actors, or is it the actors yeah. that are playing the celebrity? Yeah, there's a there's a lot of famous because it's people, kind of both, right? Right, there's a lot of famous people playing these quick cameos. I, I don't really want to spoil those, but some of them are really huge Weird Al fans. Like I've seen them oh, okay. gushing over his work before on like you know Jimmy Kimmel and uh, Jim, Jimmy Fallon actually, and um, uh, and so like you know some of them they even have maybe like a one minute scene in the movie, but they're big fans. So you yeah. know I'm sure a lot of people sign up to do this for for next to nothing to be in it. And and it's funny because I had a different experience from uh, from Mike in the trailer. I, I was kind of like, I was like, oh, kind of almost nervous, like this better be good. You know, Daniel Radcliffe, I wouldn't have really picked him to the play Weird Al. The stakes are so high. Yeah, I was like, I like Weird Al a lot. And, and is this going to be, because UHF bombed. That was a movie I, I liked as a 12-year-old. I saw in 1989 in the theater. Um, I actually in a drive-through. And I, uh, it Drive opened in. up against all kinds of blockbusters that summer, like Last Crusade, you know, Batman, and it just failed. It did really horrible, and the critics hated it, you know, like, <laughs> and I liked it. It spooked a lot of movies, you know, like Raiders of the Lost Ark and Rambo and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it just didn't do well, and it actually sent Weird Al into a depression after that. Oh, wow. Yeah, he didn't do, uh, it was kind of Nirvana where he rediscovered himself he didn't really do any uh, like parodies for a couple of years after it and then nirvana came along and he did the the video and the song you know with smells like teen spirit and um they loved it he even used some of their same actors same set like the video was pretty close to the original um sorry i mean i could i could really talk about weird al for a long time but i had no idea that this you were this pod. big of a weird al fan yeah i was I, I i mean it's not i haven't been as much lately but like i just I was, you know, growing up, I really listened to a lot of his stuff, and I liked the parodies. I always thought they were clever, and I, I enjoyed them as much as the originals, um, even though you're probably not supposed to. I mean, you're supposed to take pop music seriously, and it's important, you know. Like, Coolio's Gangster Paradise was so important, he was mad that his, his record label gave permission, you know, to do, to do Amish Paradise. Um, but, but they, ma they yeah. made they made up right before he passed away. They did, yeah, which was nice because you know when Coolio won an award uh, for for that song and he he was asked about it. And he's like, I didn't give permission. I didn't like it, you know. Um, and so Weird Al felt bad. In fact, he said from then on he approached the artist directly. He would talk to them directly and ask them if he could parody the song instead of deal with third parties. I, and, yeah, I remember I remember hearing that in an interview several years ago where he made it really clear. He's like, no, we are just like so totally up front and we really want to make sure everything is agreed and everybody's kind of on the same page with it. And mm -hmm. like it, it seemed like it was really important for him to not just 
oh, I'm just going to go and totally make fun of this dude. Watch this. This is going to be awesome. You know, right. he's, he's very, <clears throat> but, he, he, se- he seems you know, very, very professional in that way. Yeah. But then that backfired on him because he went to James Blunt. He did You're Pitiful. Uh, and James Blunt's song was You're Beautiful. And um, James Blunt said yes. And then his record company, Atlantic Records, said no. So I saw a shirt, a Weird Al wearing a shirt that said Atlantic Records sucks. He was so mad about it because he had the song. Sometimes he has the songs done and he, he can't do them. So he'll no. do them live. He'll do them sometimes in concert, but he won't, he won't put them on an album. He won't put them on a recording, you know. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, it's just, he's had really quite an amazing career. And he's also known for, you know, being, uh, he doesn't have like scandal in his personal life. He's, he's, he's a, doesn't drink and, you know, eats and lives healthy and he's married with a kid and he's, he's a Christian, you know, and, but he, that doesn't show through like in really in his songs, you know, but he's, he's kind of one of these, like, um, he makes fun of all these rockers who go through all these really, you know, big ups and downs, but he's had, you know, his personal life, he's pretty private and kind of a normal guy, but his public persona is just crazy, weird, you know, unusual guy. So. Well, that that does that does explain some of the movie a little bit. Hmm. <laughs> well, no, just because I mean, if he's if he's private and if he if he leads a pretty non controversial life, then you got to make a crazy yeah making a biopic that is just completely off the wall. I mean, for one thing, it's in character, right? But then uh-huh. it also allows him to kind of do what he's you know, and bless his heart, I more power to him, you know. I mean, yeah. to be able to kind of protect your you know, protect your personal life. And, and no, I just, I, I, I think that like, I, I, I am nowhere near the, the diehard fan that, that you are Mark, but like, I've always appreciated how he's just fun. You know, mm. he's, he's just, there's just kind of, there's no, even though he's no kind malice. of poking things at fun, right. right. I was going to just say, there's no, there's no malice. There's no yeah. ill intent. And uh, there's there's good vibes. Good I've vibes I've there. never thought of him to be mean spirited, and even though some people haven't, they, they some people don't like him, or some people think you know he's he's maybe gone overboard on things. He really tries to keep it light and keep it fun, and yeah, like I said, he felt bad about the whole Coolio thing, and mm-hmm. so um, yeah. Well, now speaking of recently deceased, now did I? I might have to actually like punch this into a search engine and not be lazy but did gallagher just pass away yes just in the last week i thought i saw some reference to that yeah yeah no i i really liked him i remember we would rent his videos back when we were when i was a kid was he i mean did he do more than just smash fruit (laughs) like oh i don't understand he was funny i mean he was like he was like a regular stand-up comic who would always finish his performances with the sledge-o-matic oh and so it was it was like so speaking of parody, like basically his his main thing was that he he had this product that's you know new on the market and it's going to solve all your problems, et cetera, et cetera. And so it was a parody of a commercial, but basically it was just an excuse for him to smash things on stage. And then like the the signature piece was him like he would put watermelons on tables or whatever, and then he would smash them and they would go flying into the audience. And so they'd have to like have bags and you know big plastic sheets and stuff to protect themselves. It was a good time, man. That wow. was a good time. So, so okay. Mike, so, did you ever? Yeah. Did you ever learn to play the accordion? I know you were a guitarist, right? Uh, 
I pretend to play guitar. I wish I would have learned to play accordion. I, I, I of the many regrets that I have in my life, that is in the that's top number three. one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so now I want to I want to go to your expertise now because we thought that that this movie and this subject would be a perfect way to kind of launch into a discussion. It seems like when we were growing up, because you mentioned Tommy Boy other movies like that. I know that I know that Mark is kind of praised dumb and dumber at times, you know, kind of some of those some of those kind of slapstick early 90s comedies. Why is it that we haven't had fun movies like that? Because it seems like when it comes to comedy, they're either dramas that are funny, right? So they're not really comedies, they're just kind of normal dramatic movies that are just, you know, bittersweet funny. They're they're it's, that, comedy is not the goal, right? Mm-hmm. Or they're for little kids, you know, so you have Pixar and Pixar is funny, you know, because they have jokes, but it's they're little kid movies. Or you have kind of like the Judd Apatow stuff, which is, you know, much more for adults. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like there are comedies for like Teens, 13, maybe. 14. Yeah. 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 Why, do you, why do you think that is? And do you think, I mean, do you think this will change that? I, I would like it to. I, I don't know the answer to that really because um... – yeah, there are so many comedies now that are that are like in the Apatow vein, like produced by Apatow, and um, I'm thinking of like Forty Year Old Virgin and Knocked Up, what that kind of started. Those did so well and they were so successful, especially Forty Year Old Virgin. That kind of launched his his career into the R-rated comedy genre, like adult comedy. Um, Pixar, of course, has the corner of the market on animation, and those movies always have some funny you know something funny to them even if they're they're mostly dramas some of them but they are for kids so i mean they're meant to be fun and funny um but yeah we did for some reason it just seems like like even that 90s jim carrey phase you know of like dumb and dumber the mask ace ventura uh, you know liar liar um bruce almighty i mean those are all like I, I saw all those as either a teenager or close to closer to twenty, and they all—I I just liked them all. I thought they were all funny, you know. And you just don't see as many like that nowadays. I'm not sure why they're not getting greenlit. Um, I guess Anchorman, but you know that's like 18 years ago. I don't know. It seems like forever yeah, ago now. Yeah. Dodgeball. Um, I mean, there's a few, uh, but they're not. Yeah, I, I, the movies I'm. Th- yeah, go ahead, Mike. Oh, I, I said uh, uh, what I was going to say is I, I think how you mentioned how you saw UHF, but it it bombed. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I I think the answer might be these aren't giant box office hits. People are going to go see Marvel movies. People are going to go see uh, uh, Pixar movies. I, I think one of the yeah. reasons the Apatow films do so well, I I. I uh, I took an online course from Avatar, and he does them oh. very. It, 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 he does them very cheap. He pays mm. for the actors, but but there's not a big budget behind it. So if it's not a big blockbuster mm. hit, there's not much money to, to lose behind it. But I also yeah. think that it's Avatar's stuff. If you take away the the, the fart jokes and uh, or the jokes <laughs> that are in it, it would actually be like a really good drama. Like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But, oh, yeah. right. but I, I, I think it's just not a financial risk that Hollywood's willing to take, which is very sad. Yeah. Yeah, and it's true. His movies are, they're very, they're not just slapstick, goofy, escapist mm-hmm. fun. You know, like, they, they all have a message to them. You know, they all have a pretty, uh, usually a good message that I've noticed, but then they, they have a lot of comedy to them, too. 
but like I mean they're yeah. they're heartfelt in a way that like yeah. Holy Grail isn't. Right. right? Yeah. Because, or or no, Weird I mean, Al. I don't know if that's maybe kind of an yeah. extreme. Yeah, or yeah. Weird Al, right? I weird. mean there's there's no false sentiment mm-hmm. in with with the Weird Al movie with with the Monty Python movies, right? Yeah. Um, cuz I'm thinking of some other other directors uh I mean cuz when I think about funny directors, I'm thinking about Taika Waititi, I'm thinking about Edgar Wright, but then they still kind of have this almost a little bit like Apatow where you know there's some real sincere yeah. You know, like you like you watch something like Hunt for the Wilder People and yeah, it's zany, it's off the wall, it's really really funny, but it's also just it's really just a sweet movie. It's just mm-hmm. adorable. And and a lot of the comedies that we grew up with it didn't seem like they really had that interest. It was just like wall to wall. We're going to keep people laughing the whole time and you know, I don't even necessarily know that one is better or worse. I just I've well, noticed the change. Well, I like the drama, funny, you know, dramedy type movies. Like mm-hmm. Royal Tenenbaums is one of my favorite movies, but it's not like yeah. laugh out loud funny for a good portion of it. You know, it's got lots of really funny parts and funny lines, but mostly it's a family drama, dysfunctional, you know, yeah. kind of yeah. weird family drama. But, but yeah, I, 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 so I do like those, and maybe those are just more. They're just better for the box office. Because like some people will appreciate the drama part of it, some people will like the funny part of it, and you'll maybe bring more people in than just try to do a funny movie that half people, the people think is just dumb for some reason. You know, you think of like Billy Madison and and Happy Gilmore and all those those movies did really well. Those Adam Sandler movies, and they're not really meant to. You know, they didn't really have a message. I guess you know they're just to try to be funny. But um, the the follow ups that Adam Sandler's uh, production company Happy Madison put out it bombed. Like it, like if you look at Grandma's yeah. Boy and uh, other things, yeah, just <laughs> a lot of those later ones. Yeah. What was yeah. the one where he plays his own twin? Oh, I don't know. Do you guys? You, you know, I know what I'm the one about, you're talking though. about. I didn't bother saying it. Is so, that Jack so and Jill? He, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so here's a question for you guys. Have have either of you watched? Now I'm trying to remember if we brought this up before. Have either of you watched any of his Netflix movies? Because he's got some yeah. kind of contract with Netflix now, mm-hmm. and he's just churning out stuff every year. Are you guys watching these things? I've seen a couple of them. Um, I've seen Hustle, which I liked, which isn't really funny at all. I mean, it's a serious kind of. It's just a basketball drama about like a Spanish recruit trying to play in the NBA and um, sort of the last chance for for Sandler who was an assistant coach and he's a recruiter. And then um, what was the one with Jennifer Aniston I watched? I think it's just called Murder Mystery. That was decent. Okay. Yeah. So I've seen a few of them, but he's put out. Yeah, I think he puts out about one a year. I, I think contract. the key is, is if Rob Schneider is in it, 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 it will is not a serious <laughs> movie. Not that, yes. Right. Grown Ups. Grown Ups 2. Grown Up Again. Grown up even I would I would love nothing more than like twenty years from now to have Rob Schneider take home a Best Actor Oscar. <laughs> oh man! Because he finally he's been sleeping on us the whole time, or we've been sleeping on him, or whatever whatever that means, right? Like he mm-hmm. is because because honestly, like Sandler, when he's done more serious stuff, I've really enjoyed it. I I really like like Spanglish and even like uh, uh, Wedding Singer. I that was not what I would consider kind of a traditional Adam Sandler movie, and I I really liked him in it. Let's uh, let's get into something that that I'm kind of excited to hear about because this is uh, this is the tradition that we have on the the Utah Film Pod. Whenever we bring in a new a new voice, a new guest, a new presence, uh, 
We ask them to share three movies that would be kind of their favorites, their defining movies, the movies that if we wanted to know who they are, go watch these three and that'll give us an idea. So Chids, are you are you ready for this? Have they have I given you enough time to 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 ponder? It's 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 the... been pretty it's been pretty hard trying to put these together, I I, I, I must admit. Um one you guessed just in the text Let's... message that I would say. I, I, I don't know if you forbade <laughs> me from saying or not, but uh, no, my, my no. all-time favorite movie is Our, Our Army of Darkness, the, the sequel mm. to The Evil Dead 2. Um, I, I, that movie is just so beautifully terrible. I, I, I love it on so many levels. I, I, I've even gone to New York to see the musical based off of it. Uh, Did it, you really? Oh, yes. Spe- speaking of Gallagher, you also had to wear a poncho uh, if you were on the first oh, couple bad. rows just based off of the uh, the blood shooting blood? off the stage after the uh, second act. But, uh, but uh, yes, Army of Darkness, I, I, I think, is a- amazing. I... I I, I think it's just everything that a movie should not be, but it was made anyway. Um, <laughs> I, I, it, it's... So what's the what's the background on this one? So you say because you say it's the sequel to Evil Dead Two, yes, which is only kind of the sequel to Evil Dead One, yes. right? So we're still kind of in the same universe. We got the same. This is, uh, you know, this is Bruce Campbell, Mr. Chin, mm-hmm. right? How would you like? How would you set up Army of Darkness for those who have not had the privilege of seeing this movie? Well, at the end of Evil Dead Two, <laughs> Bruce Campbell or Ash, our hero has lost his arm because it his hand because it's been possessed by by some sort of evil so he has had to hack it off and he's attached a chainsaw so he could fight the evil uh in a cabin it, it sums it all up beautifully in like a five minute segment in, in, in army of darkness so you don't need to bother watching evil dead 2 because it, it, it sums but it i want to hear you describe it though well he's, he's pretty much just murdered everybody in a cabin everyone's got possessed his, his girlfriend his friends and it, it ends up with him opening up and it's portal. a comedy it is a, it's it's a terrible comedy and a terrible b film and just terrible and he uh it, it, that movie ends with him getting sucked into a portal and sent into uh medieval times uh so he is uh so our hero is uh, just somewhere in in in, uh, in the middle of the dark ages uh, with a chainsaw for a hand and uh, captured by by a, a king warring with another king and uh, then great mm-hmm. evil also is unleashed on the land and so uh, he must use his chainsaw and his one good hand and his. Uh, and his uh, his dodge that uh, is actually a staple in every Sam Raimi movie. That's right. That's that, right. That's oh. his. That's his. Uh, that's his calling card. He has that dodge in every movie that he has done. They have a name for it. What's? Do you remember the name for it? Because I I remember reading. I think it was Bruce Campbell's book, mm-hmm. and he talks about the making of Evil Dead, and they talk about that car because it's like just like you say, it manages to make it into every because well, and then. So, so those who might not know, Sam Raimi is the guy who did the first few Spider-Man movies, mm-hmm. right? So, if you haven't seen any of the Evil Dead movies or Army of Darkness, it's the same guy. Which, 
kind of makes sense when you add, well in the new the new Doctor Strange. Sense. It blows my <laughs> mind. Like the evil okay, movies okay. are so terrible, and they finally get the rights to make a high budget Spider Man series, and they're like, "Hey, let's get that guy that makes the terrible movies to take over this multi billion dollar franchise." There we go. We have, we have lit Chids on fire. And you can even see his <laughs> terrible see. directing. He does like this zoom, this zoom on every single thing. Like, oh, it's it's such bad directing. I I love it. And his scripts are terrible. It's just I I you love know, Sam I, Raimi movies just because yeah, I don't understand. I don't understand how here's it the thing. comes to to be. It's <laughs> I, it's surprisingly good. I don't know if you... Like, Spider-Man 2, he... That's one of the best superhero movies I've seen. And there's there's elements... I think we talked about this before. There's a we disco talked about scene Sam where Raimi. he has emo hair walking down dancing That's the down third the one. That's the third oh, one. Yeah, that's in that's Spider-Man 3. But in the second one, do you remember when... The great James Brown track. Nobody, everybody always discounts the great James Brown track that's, when, that's going on in that scene. Like, when Doc Ock... Is uh, in the surgery in the hospital room. That's like a horror scene. Like that's a really good scary horror scene when he just freaks out on all the nurses and orderlies and surgeons. I mean, there there's a lot of great elements I think in Spider-Man too. And um, it's I mean Sam Raimi. It is kind of weird that he hadn't made like an absolutely huge hit to that point, and he was handed the keys to Spider-Man. I mean you don't really see that a lot. Um, but I thought he did fine. And, of course, have you seen Drag Me to Hell, Mike? Yes, yes, I have. <laughs> okay. One of my favorites. <laughs> That's one of Josh's favorites. That's one of my wife's least favorite movies ever. We watched it at a, a zombie fest, one of Josh Terry's famous zombie fests. And, yes, Drag Me to Hell. It's, uh, it has quite an unpleasant ending. Um, oh, it's awesome. <laughs> it's so perfect. Did, yeah. So, did you see the new Doctor Strange, Chids? I did. What'd you think of that? It was a Sam Raimi film. Like, why <laughs> hand the keys over to this man? <laughs> like, don't get, bro, I'm a fan. Just like it, it's it's like watching a car crash. Like, you can't not look when you see it start to happen. That's and, and like it's a guilty it, pleasure that I love. <laughs> I, I I love to watch Sam Raimi films. Just because they, they are terrible. It sounds like you ironically enjoy Sam Raimi. I do. Like he's I, so is he is he your favorite my, director? He's one of my favorite directors. <laughs> okay, so now I am I am fascinated to know what your other two choices are because the standard for Army of Darkness, I'm still trying to wrap my head around this. Like it's your favorite, but you think he's a terrible director. But but also so. it, it 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 I I was able to watch that movie as a, 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 and and think I can make things too. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So it was kind of an oh, inspiration. Absolutely. I I mean yeah I I I, I it, it made me think I, I I can do this. I can do this. If if Sam Raimi can do this, <laughs> then I can do something. <laughs> So, so it's, it's no that that makes sense. That absolutely one hundred percent makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what are your what are your uh, runners up then? Uh, so, so the next movie that that I thought of was is Raising Arizona, which is another. Oh, it's probably in my top sir. three. That that mm-hmm. is an early Coen Brothers film, early Nicolas Cage. I think it's Nicolas Cage's best work. 
Um, uh, there, there's, there's young uh, Holly Hunter in it. Like it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, and, and there's John Goodman. It's John just, Goodman. that is a movie that I can, I, I probably watched it 40 times. Like it's it, at least, it's just every time you watch it, you can catch <laughs> something else in it. Um, <laughs> Mm-hmm. It, it, it made me love the Coen brothers despite the fact that I hate some of their other movies. I still watch all the Coen brother movies because I, I, I love that movie so much. Yeah. They really do have a range, don't they? Yes. Like, yeah. Like they, yeah. I mean, I guess every one of their movies, you can kind of sense that they're Coen brothers movies, right? They're like little things that tie them together, but just in terms of tone and style and subject matter, and, and, genre. and setting they really are all over the place i love how well they just immerse into a setting like you see oh brother where art thou where art thou you know like it's just and it's so different than like no country for old men which is so different from raising arizona i mean i i think they're two of the best two of my favorite yeah. directors too well, i and chids chids i'm with you like i i think that raising arizona probably one of my favorite comedies of all time easily Mm -hmm. just and as as good as their other movies are as so many of them are i still think raising arizona is my favorite oh it's mine too by far yeah i so i read an article recently about the best opening scenes in movie history and i can't remember where it was i'll have to find it online but it was it was well written enough that it seemed like it was a magazine article almost and it was like what are the what are the best and this author's contention was the first 11 minutes of Raising Arizona, which I'd never heard before. I've always heard about, like, like Inglorious Bastards has a really great opening scene, and oh, right, Dark right. Knight, and there's a bunch of movies up. There's really, you know, really, really good opening scenes. But she said, you know, and she describes it really well, too. She's like, this first 11 minutes establishes these characters. It's a love story. It shows how they fall in love. It shows their motivations. And, and it does it in a way like, and then you kind of find out like, well, he, you know, it's sad because they want to have a, have a kid, but he's, you know, he talks about how it, her, her ground was barren and my seed could find no purchase there. You know, like the doctor explained to him, you know, and so then it kind of, it kind of sets the whole plot in motion, but it does it in a really tight 11 minutes that could have been a long movie itself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, Raising Arizona is kind of a revolutionary movie too. I don't think there really been a comedy like that up to that point. Um, I can't and, think of any film that utilizes yodeling and the banjo in their soundtrack as much either. <laughs> That's right. Well, and that, cause wasn't that Carter Burwell? Like he's the one who's been doing like, Oh yeah. Fargo. And I think I'm pretty sure that was him. It might've been him. That was great. Great stuff. He, he so, also okay, is so friends with Sam Raimi, by the way. And interestingly <laughs> enough, the Coen brothers, Coen brothers and Sam Raimi have a connection. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think like, there's it, a cameo in. Uh, I think Sam Raimi does a cameo in one of their movies. I, 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 I can't. He probably does, and and like a simple plan is kind of like his Fargo. I mean, he did it two years after Fargo. Okay, yeah. A lot of similarities there. That's, that's actually probably my favorite Raimi, favorite all around. And in some ways, it's his least frenetic, goofy. Or like, I mean, it's it's his more serious kind of movie in in, in a lot of ways, but. Yeah, I mean, Fargo was 96, and A Simple Plan is 98, and there's there's quite a few similarities. I'm not saying he copied the Coen brothers or anything, but and he did a great job. Like, it's it's another good one. But, yeah, sorry to yeah. 
Oh no, raising Arizona. Arizona. That yeah, you're you're two for two, sir. Oh, what's uh, what do you now? Now it's time to uh, go for the hat trick. What do you got? Oh well, this 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 one was the question again. The, the three movies that best define my myself. What what <laughs> kind of kind of? How, I mean, however you want to interpret it. Like so so I have to say. So my friend Travis, Travis Poppleton, used to write for KSL, mm-hmm. um, moved back east, and, and he and I were kind of the ones who started the podcast uh, first run like about a year and a half, two years ago. And, and this is his idea. Like he basically this – is, this is kind of his getting-to-know-you conversation starter where he'll say, like, what are your three movies? And it's basically asking what your three favorite movies are. But it's a little more than that because instead of just kind of – like, if you were a big Star Wars fan or a big Marvel fan, you wouldn't want to just pick three Star Wars movies or pick three Marvel movies. It's like, how could you, like, over the course of three different movies, kind of paint a picture of yourself? And, and yeah, they're basically your favorite movies. Or you could kind of say, like, you know, these, these three movies represent kind of different parts of my personality. I mean, however, it's... There's really no wrong. Well, this answer. sounds exactly like what I. I'm going to make fun of. This sounds like what I uh, what I would do when I was single and started dating somebody. I, I would show them raising Arizona. I I would show them <laughs> our, our army Perfect. of darkness. Perfect. And then I'd throw in a curveball and I'd I'd say, let's watch the Legend of Bagger Vance. So that's actually <laughs> what I was going to say as the third. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Tell us tell us about that one because that one I would not have pricked. I would not have called that one in a thousand tries. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not a fan of sports. I really don't like golf, uh, but it is my favorite sports movie that touches on the existence of God. I guess I should say. I also okay. love Matt. I also love Matt Damon. I, I think he does a great job. Uh, I, I like a lot of his movies. I think he's a phenomenal actor, and I, I think it's just a sweet, beautiful movie. And uh, I think I need to add something not weird to 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 <laughs> to, to prove hey, that I there's I'm no obligation saying, man <laughs> you just you just pick what you want to pick oh i'm saying but, no uh, when i was dating when, when i would when i would be interested oh, in somebody okay. in the dating world those, those would be the three movies that i would show so <laughs> <laughs> there you go over the there course of go. the early relationship Okay, so now I have to I have to admit, and this is part of the reason I wouldn't have picked this in a thousand tries. I have not actually seen Legend of Bagger Vance. I think mm. this is the one where Matt Damon is the golfer and Will Smith is the caddy, right? And Will Smith is magic. Is that correct? Will Smith might is that might vaguely? Will Smith might be the Lord in, in, in this movie. Like it kind of touches okay. on on that. Like it never directly so, so says he's not a cat. No, he he is. <laughs> He, he is, but uh, but it represents a couple other things. So so uh, Matt Damon early in the film is a phenomenal golfer. He's young. He has everything going for him, and then he goes to war. Um, and when he comes back, he is a changed man. He he uh, no longer wants to golf. He he uh, doesn't want to be seen in the eyes of uh, the public. Uh, he. He doesn't reconnect with his fiance. He doesn't even tell her that she's come back. He's a lost soul. Um, and, uh, and then the uh, great depression takes place and this town, uh, the, the, the town that they, they live in, um, uh, had just built a, uh, an amazing golf course, but it's a higher end golf course. And for, for the entire town to survive, they need to 
uh, basically have a golf tournament and they want to have somebody local represent them in this giant uh, golf tournament. So they get the two top golfers in the nation and uh, and uh, then they, they talk Matt Damon into coming, but he's lost his uh, he, he's lost his swing, but more than that, he's lost his faith. He's lost his soul. And so it's, it, it's yeah. And so uh, uh, Bagger Vance, uh, played by Will Smith, he he comes kind of mysteriously into town and uh, helps Matt Damon get his swing back. But then the story is told by a a, a, a guy, a, a kid who. Uh, he's now he, it's narrated by by an older man who who was a, 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 a anyway uh but a but child at the time yeah it's a child at the time and he uh and you see the whole story unfold through his eyes and he becomes will smith's uh, uh, assistant caddy and so it, i don't know i think it's just a real sweet movie and i don't think you see too many uh, movies that are kind of mainstream like that that, that touch on subjects like, yeah. like it Cool. But I, think, I don't think I don't, it's you, you. You might have convinced me to go watch this movie. Well, <laughs> and it's it's not such a deep metaphor. Like anybody can watch it and see it. Like I'm not that deep of a human being. So it's easy <laughs> enough that I can Oh, I don't know it. about that. I I mean uh... this this movie is, is more rare nowadays too. Like we were talking about the the like the PG-13 comedy. You know, like this movie is it wears its heart on its sleeve. Um, it's it's sentimental. Like it's not cynical really you know i and i've seen it too i liked it too and i i agree with you i wouldn't have picked that as a i haven't thought about that movie for a long time you know but it's it's a good one um and will smith's performance in that movie is much better than his performance at the last oscars (laughs) okay lobo sorry about that i'm sorry about that (laughs) (laughs) sorry Uh, you you can cut that out (laughs) <laughs> that's it's gonna be a while till he lives that one. <laughs> nine more years bad. i guess too bad. yeah oh dear <laughs> um <laughs> oh, okay so to recap we have army of darkness raising arizona and the legend of bagger vance yes i think i think you went three for three not that you need our approval or anything like that but uh as long as I have the approval of dr mark Larocco esquire then i then i feel okay <laughs> You do. No, I, I just, I like, I want to, um, if, if someone's choking and they say, someone else says, is there a doctor in the house? I want to be able to stand up and say, I'm a doctor and I won't be able to help you. You know, like I, <laughs> I'm not going to do the Heimlich or anything. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I think it's important to let everybody know that. And, um, even in a life or death situation, you know, and maybe like tell people about my degree while someone else is calling 911. So that's the kind of help I can be. You're a master, though, right? Don't you have a master's? I am a master. So you have to go so by Master things. Terry, right? Um, or Maestro? I haven't. I, I, Maestro <laughs> would be good. I honestly don't know what people are supposed to call me because, like, I don't know if you call somebody professor if they're. Like I heard somewhere that okay, yeah, when you when you're teaching, if you have a master's, they can call you professor. But I mean, I'm not a full professor. It's not like a tenure track thing, so I don't know. Adjunct professor? I don't want to have people call me that because that feels insulting. Especially out in public. Out in public. Adjunct <laughs> professor, Terry. 
Like you go to you go to Chili's and you give them their name, like the name please. You're like adjunct <laughs> professor Terry, so they have to call that over the loudspeaker. I would like to challenge you, Mister Terry, to to please use that title the next time you go to a restaurant that has a wait. Hey, you know what? I, I promise you guys, the next time I go to Chili's, or I'm Applebee's, gonna, or Olive Garden, or Applebee's, <laughs> I will I will put my name down as adjunct professor. <laughs> you can count on that <laughs> all right guys this has been good covered lots of good ground good material yes. any final final thoughts observations philosophies recommendations uh pitches for things that are going on in your life that you want other people to know about um i just i'd say go see weird i highly endorse it I'm excited about The Fablemans coming up soon. Mm. It comes out in about a week, week and a half, the new Spielberg movie. Um, and, you know, we're hosting Thanksgiving, so we also have other things to do besides watch movies. That's coming up here in a week. So, cool, cool. Yeah. What are you thankful for? Are we going to do I'm not sure if we're going to do an episode, another one before Thanksgiving. Maybe you should say what you're thankful for. I'm thankful to be able to talk about movies. I love movies, so I'm grateful for that. And, uh, to have to be able to pod with you guys and also use pod as a verb those yeah. are all the three things i'm thankful for look at that yeah <laughs> okay chids how about you what's going on I, I i don't feel that i have any uh merit to to uh to ask anyone <laughs> to do or check out anything <laughs> but uh, I, I, I'm thankful to have been uh, on this uh, podcast with the two of you gentlemen. I think I quite highly of you both. And uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I, at this point, am extremely grateful for you guys. This long time friendship. Lots of good times. Glad we could get together. This is a uh, this is a group of some excellent, excellent people. But in the meantime... If you have not subscribed, if you have not given us some kind of a rating, if you have not given us some kind of encouragement or support online, please do so at whatever platform you are enjoying the podcast. And thank you for everything and hope that uh, if by some chance we don't have another episode before Thanksgiving, please have a great holiday, enjoy it, and uh, we'll see you on the other side. Mm-hmm.